Hello there and welcome to Waterless Podcast. This is Winston Marley. Our Waterless Podcast is produced by the Center for Collaborative Investigative Journalism, CISIJ, an organization that contributes to the global water conversation by giving voice to and advocating for everyone across the world who is water disadvantaged. Our guest today is Pascalina Kabi, a Lesotho-based investigative journalist with a keen interest on water, health, gender and environment, and of course, human rights. Now, the thing is, recently, Pascalina and her friend Sechawa Moketi produced a great story. Uh, this is a water-related story. It's entitled Water, Water Everywhere, but not a drop to drink. Now, this is a story that talks about how diseases keep on stalking some villages in Lesotho. And um, this is all happening as the country is selling water to neighboring South Africa. Now, welcome to Waterless Podcast, uh, Pascalina. Um, so finally, you are now being featured in the podcast, Waterless. So how are you today? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? And, and thank you for having me today. Yeah, so how do you feel that we are featuring you in the, in the, in the program? <laughs> I think it's a, it's, it's a nice feeling, but at the same time, um, it, it, it's, it's that unspoken appreciation of a journalist when you've done a, a relatively good job and someone is appreciating that you've done really good. So it's, it feels good to be here. Now, now, talking about a journalist doing a very good job, I must say here, this is one of the brilliant uh, write-ups that I've ever come across. Uh, the story is so interesting, so fascinating, at the same time, uh, so touching. Now, talking about your story, uh, Pascalina, which, of course, you did with your your, your friend in, there in, in Lesotho, uh, which is called Water, Water Everywhere, but not a drop to drink. Um, it was published on CSIJ website uh, recently. It talks about the problems that villagers face in terms of water, while at the same time Lesotho government is selling water to South Africa. Now, what triggered you uh, to come up with this uh, story idea? Um, I must say that I've always had an interest um, on, on water issues, like you mentioned earlier on, uh, but the, the idea goes as far back as 2016 when I went to um, Tabatzeka, one of the districts where the project is, 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 is at. And then um, I was doing a menstrual hygiene story. But what um, spiked more interest for me was to go to the villages and, and realize that they didn't have access to water. But I, of course, at that time, I think I was still inexperienced. I didn't know how to tell the story the very same way that we've done with my colleagues Chaba now. Um, and, and the idea kept um, coming back in my, playing back in my mind every time I would visit um, these villages. And then I think it was um, in 2018 when you and I met in, in Johannesburg and, and, and Jeff and many others that I also spoke about the issue of Lesotho selling um, water to South Africa yet communities within sight of, of, of those projects of, of the Lesotho Highlands Water Project did not have access to water. And now um, my colleague Sichaba um, saw the call for proposal by CCIJ and he approached me and said, I know you have a very keen interest on these issues and you have an experience on, on, on Lesotho Highlands Water Project. Can we apply for this? And then I jumped at the idea um, and then we 
we, we played around with a couple of ideas until I proposed that we uh, focus on the health aspect of, of uh, the Lesotho Highlands Water Project. So that's how we, we came up with, with the idea that we should focus on the businesses that have stocked those communities, despite the fact that they have access to water. Yeah, yeah, such a brilliant uh, uh, story indeed. Now, uh, how did you go about um, in terms of reporting the story? I mean, uh, putting together the bits and pieces. How do you go, did you go about? Um, uh, having worked with um, different NGOs and 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 different uh, experts in the in the water industry, uh, what we did first was to talk to um, NGOs and ask them to give us pointers of people that we could talk to uh, around these communities. And then they supplied us with uh, contacts and names of people that that we could um, talk to. Um, But for me, what made it more interesting again in the stories was um, working with um, different people who are not by far not even journalists, but whom we happened to meet along the way as we were making our researches, that they indirectly became our fixers in that um, when we traveled to those villages, we would have one or two people that we had already, we we, we were already in communication with, and they would um, give us pointers of which villages to go. For instance, we, we met a guy that we had met through a source who is a lawyer somewhere, and then he uh, took us around uh, the villages and then we, we did uh, what, what we do best, which is interview people and talk to. But the most interesting part was to realize and appreciate that um, indigenous people in, in, in all these communities, they are always uh, ready to talk to the media. They have um, that trust that um, many people in the urban areas or our day-to-day sources have in the media. So it, it became really easier for us to get the emotions of them because they trusted us. Um, they knew that we were there to help them, um, to give them the voice, which many have not given them in their plight of, 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 of lack of water, of lack of access to water. I really like the way you have put uh, a human face to the story by talking to the affected people, the indigenous people, as you call them. Now, how did you feel when these folks were narrating their ordeal to you? For example, somewhere I read where you 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 are saying these people have to scale up these these steep side walls of some some dam to get some water. So, how did you feel when they were telling the story? Um. I must admit that it was it was emotional for us um, as well um, because watching um, a, a woman as almost the same age as your mother um, walking that distance and and trying to negotiate her way up was really emotional for us. Um, we we met this woman. I remember very well that since um, we had to take uh, pictures as early as 5 a.m., would take off very early or sleep in that place. So I remember that when we spotted uh, that village where which the, the woman um, uh, negotiating the the, the, the the steep to to go to that village, um, we didn't even plan um, to talk to them. I must confess, we were by the road. Uh, Sichaba was taking pictures. 
And I spotted that village and I said, I think we should go there. And then he says, why? I said, for some weird reason, I feel like that is where our story lies. Can we go there? And then he says, yeah, we can go there. Um, we asked for directions and we went there. Uh, we arrived very early. I think it was around 6 a 6.30 a.m. But we agreed that Sichaba, I and, and the tribe, we agreed that let's have breakfast first. And then we ate. After eating, we, we went down to the village. Um, this old woman, she has a, a granddaughter. And she was preparing a breakfast for the daughter. Um, it was, it was, she was going on with, with her daily uh, lifestyle as if we were not there. But when she started narrating what had happened earlier on, uh, some few days before we got there, it made us feel very privileged that we have access to water that we are able to get one, we are able to meet our needs, whereas um, they are struggling to have access to what I call a basic human right, which is water. And seeing her um, walking up um, the, the slope made it even more emotional for us. And seeing her and, and the young lady that we talked to um, narrating, showing us the emotions that um, we we are not sure whether we'll get out of them or not, made it um, drove the point home that what we are doing it's what it's what every journalist is supposed to be doing on almost every day of our lives, giving voice to the voice the voiceless. Um, I think we are privileged that they welcomed us to their houses and they opened up about that daily struggle to access water. No, no. What, what I want to understand is uh, uh, what's really the problem? I mean, these are the villagers who are just living just next to the dam that is, uh, I mean, f uh, used to transporting volumes and volumes of water to South Africa, yet at the same time, these villagers can't access clean water. What's the problem, really? The problem is that um, the contract from the onset did not cater for, for these people to, have, to access the water that has been harvested in these dams. What happens is that when the project was introduced, the implementing agency um, it um, came up with uh, projects that would um, have allow the, the, the communities to access water. They drew um, water from the uh, from places like the, the wetlands um, from within the communities. Now with the climate change um, threatening all these um, wetlands, they are no longer having access to the same water that they used to. Secondly, um, in some cases, the waters have have uh, the, the the water taps they have been broken. They are broken down, and the agency is not doing anything to assist them. Instead, they keep giving them excuses after excuses. Uh, in that very same village that we talk about, um, the taps have been broken since 2014. We are now in 2021 and nothing has been done. Instead, every time they go there, they are given, they're, they're given excuses that 
um, they either the villagers either collect stones in some cases in so, at some point they're telling us that they were told to collect stones that were that were going to be used to, to construct some um, slope that would assist in 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 them having access to water and they did collect those collected those stones but nothing was ever done until today and um, when you talk to the agency it has its own excuse when you talk to the minister of water the minister of water is on record saying that the problem is that the minister of, of water doesn't have a direct access in the funds that are generated from selling water to South Africa. And therefore it, it becomes very challenging for the ministry to have funds to address the plight of, of, of access of water for these communities. Yeah, yeah, I was reading somewhere. So, so interesting that uh, actually this, the water that is pumped to South Africa after selling the government maybe realizes around, is it, as around maybe 80 uh, million uh, US dollars, uh, but then maybe just five million dollars is sent back to the to the project. Uh, this is really funny. So now um, there was another aspect where I read a, a certain man talking about his experience in South Africa, where the same water apparently is kind of abused. He, he felt very furious. Tell us about that. It is, it is that very same woman that I'm telling you that um, she had a granddaughter. And a, a, yes, she um, went to South Africa to work as a domestic water some few years ago, as, as a domestic worker some few years ago. And then she ha she would watch as her employers um, and, and, and the employer's neighbors splashing water with no care in the world. And every time she saw that, it pained her, knowing that from where I come from, I don't have access to that water. Yet they are using the very same water that is being drawn from my place, whereas I don't have it. She says that it's, it's the most painful thing that she has ever experienced in her life. And I think I feel for her and I feel for the villagers that... Um, it's, it's really heartbreaking to always wake up to the sight of those beautiful dams, see the water, but not access it and have to wait. And, 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 and later in your life, you have to see people who are um, using the water with no care in the world when you don't have it. I think I feel I feel her pain as well. Yeah, yeah, like the title puts it, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. Now, let's talk a bit about the diseases, especially diarrhea, that often ravages villagers around here. Uh, what did the villagers tell you? Um, they're telling us that um, whereas when they go to the hospitals or the clinics, they are never really told by doctors or clinicians that um, the diarrhea are as a cause of drinking um, dirty water. But they themselves, they know that it is from drinking that water. For instance, we talked to one um, woman who is a village health worker. Um, she's been trained around these uh, issues and she knows that uh, even if doctors are not saying it, I know for a fact that um, the villagers are getting sick from drinking this water. 
and we, we happen to 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 saw those uh, unprotected wells where they are throwing water from the un- unprotected and they are sharing the water with the animals such as dogs um horses and 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 cattle and it's i think it's a no brainer that they are getting it the diseases and um it 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 i think it also pains them more that they have to walk very long distances to get to the clinics imagine you're getting sick from the dirty water when you can have, have access to the clean one just uh, a stone throw away yet you have to walk um long distances to see a, a doctor for you to be cured from the disease that could have been prevented in the first place um they are they are really through going through a lot um and i hope that um government and, and other um non-governmental organizations in the water sector will will come together soon enough and address their woes. Uh, now talking about maybe government and other NGOs coming to the aid of these people. Since the publication of this story, uh, what has what have been maybe the the, the reactions like? Um, so far, we haven't seen really um, tangible uh, evidence that they are doing something to address the problem. Um, we are only getting um, feedback from individuals who are touched by the story, but none of them or even government or even the NGOs have, um, I think maybe it's too early, but um, because it's, it's only uh, almost two months, but so far no one has really um, committed to doing anything to assist the communities. Uh, now, now, my next question, uh, Pascalina, is uh, uh, what lessons uh, have you learned from embarking on this story? I mean, as a storyteller who uses investigative journalism skills, what sort of lessons have you, have you learned? Um, I've learned a couple of things. Um, for me, the key takeaways were um, uh, the photography, where we learned, um, me and my colleagues, Chaba, we learned new tech, tech techniques on how to take pictures, particularly of, 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 the, of the dams, that we um, had to wake up very early for us to capture um, beautiful pictures uh, of the dams. And I've also um, learned uh, that um, it is important for investigative stories to have um, visuals. Um, having um, a data journalist on our site, it it helped us a a great deal to um, back up the voices of of, of the communities with um, um, the research, the data. And and again, um, it also helped us um, as a fact checker to have this data because um, UC helped us very, very much that um, some uh, effect, some some information that we thought were sexual, they were uh, not when we when she looked at the data that we had provided for her when she analyzed it. Um, the other thing that I learned as well um, is that um, it is always, always important to, to go to a story with an open mind, but still focused. 
we had um, to as several um, times to keep ourselves in check on whether we still um, focusing on, on our story idea um, throughout the whole process. And, and working with um, um, Ray also helped us to, to, to realize that at some point would have um, a lot of, of ideas that would uh, confuse the readers. But with him, he was able to help us that um, this information is, is a bit um, afar from, from what we're trying to achieve, we can leave it. Or in some cases, you would say that I think uh, this point would be um, would would make more uh, impact when it's supported by this and that evidence or, or voices from from certain people. Um, again, um, I think it's 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 not really easy for every investigative journalist to weave um, the personal stories, the human interest in 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 their investigations. So um, for us. It also helped us to learn uh, techniques of how you can tell your investigative um, story as, as punchy as it is, but at the same time, um, give that human interest um, life into, into the story. It was really um, a learning curve for the both of us, Chaba and I, and we feel very empowered that we can take um, on more projects with um, that at the base value, they may seem as if um, they have um, only a national appeal, that they can only appeal to the national audience. Whereas when we use um, certain techniques, it can be, um, it, can, it can appeal to, to international audience. For instance, when we, our first draft, um, it started with narrating how the woman goes about with, with her daily um, routine, trying to um, give a perspective of what happens in that. But Ray um, assisted us, us, assists us in, 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 in saying that for people who don't have time to read the entire story, we need to be punchy right at the bottom and see how best we can with the stories later on in, in our story. Mm -hmm. Okay, now as we are going towards the end of the, the program, uh, how can people find you uh, in case they would want to link up with you as far as your journalistic work is concerned, maybe on social media or wherever? Um, I'm on Twitter at, um, it's at Pascalina K. Um, my name is spelled as P-A-S-C-A-L-I. N A H. On Facebook, I am Mapabalo Pascalina Kabi. It's spelled at S M A P A B A L L O, and then Pascalina Kabi. That's that's how they can they can reach me. Okay, thanks so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you, Pascalina. Thank you so much for having me, and all, all right, and great. many thanks to CCIJ for trusting us with this project. All right. Great, fantastic. 
Well, listener, we've come to the end of the Waterless podcast for today. Uh, this program is produced by the Center for Collaborative Investigative Journalism, CCIJ. Well, this is a non-profit collective of media creatives from across the globe, all united in the pursuit of cross-water and cross-discipline investigation. And uh, this has been your host, Winston Murray. Feel free to get in touch with the Center for Collaborative Investigative Journalism, CCIJ, at ccij.io at ccij.io. See you next time.